Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here again. And um, what a service. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I just thank God for the praise and worship. Uh, the, these young people, man, that blesses. Come on. Yeah, let's. That blesses my heart. I, you know, I just learned last night, Brother Jason can sing, and I didn't even know. I've been friends, and and then Noah and and my God, Sawyer. I'm just a house full of singers. Is that right? Oh. Well. <laughs> but I, I just I honor them, and I thank God for Brother Jason and Sister Summer and their family, and Brother Terrence and his wife, and the the friendships that are growing. And uh, I'm just appreciative of that and, um, and what God is doing. I'm, I just want to say this before I preach. I'm just, as I was sitting over there tonight, I'm just encouraged. And uh, just watching this church grow and what God is doing. And I just want to encourage you to keep going. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. As a young pastor and trying to do something back home in Columbus, this encourages me to see what God is doing here. Uh, sometimes we, it's like, Lord, are we doing the right thing? <laughs> are we doing any good? And then, you know, there are times where people don't have to say something to you. Sometimes you can just see God working in somebody else's life or ministry, and it gives you that unction to keep going. So I just want to commend you guys on a wonderful church and what God is doing here in this honor to be here for youth night. Come on, young people, let me hear you. Can, you. can you give the Lord praise tonight? Thank God for all of you young people who are here. And uh, we're going to go to the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 13. Two verses, Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to begin the reading at verse 45. You see in this chapter a series of parables that Jesus teaches and he explained the use of parables and why he taught in this manner. And I, you know, if you, oftentimes when Jesus would teach as it regards a parable, uh, people would have trouble understanding and it, it, it divided who wanted to hear more and who was really not interested at all in what the Lord was saying. But he gave so much truth in these parables, in these two verses tonight that we're going to read. I believe there's something here that will encourage and strengthen our young people and all of us who are here. Uh, but specifically to you young people tonight, I pray that you're encouraged to fight the good fight of faith and hold on to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said this in verse 45 of Matthew chapter 13. Again. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And I want to minister tonight just a few moments on the subject, the pearl of great price. The pearl of great price. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we Thank you tonight, and we come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this service that we have had so far and how your spirit has moved in this place. 
we just pray that you will anoint us and continue to move. Help us to preach. Help us to minister the word that I believe that you have given us and anoint the people to hear this word tonight. And we give you all the glory and praise and we ask it in Jesus' name and everyone said amen. As I read this parable, it reminds me of the words that Jesus spoke in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23 where he said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. When we talk about salvation, salvation is not just some passing fault that we have. Salvation is not just feeling bad one time for some things that we did in the past and we have an emotional uh, time in a service. We weep in a church service. Don't get me wrong. Those things are good. And then we go out and we continue in the same path or lifestyle that we were in before that service. But salvation is literally a devotion to Jesus Christ. It's not just an acknowledgement. It is literally following him. Being willing to lose yourself. Think about that for just a moment. Are we willing to lose ourselves? Jesus told us, he said, if you love anything more than you love me, you're not worthy of me. Jesus said, if a man will not lose his soul for my sake, he won't gain anything. He said, what shall it profit a man to gain the world and even lose his soul? He said, a man's life is not in the things, the stuff that he has. You are not identified by your friends, by how many friends you have, how much money you have, or whatever the case. But your true identity is what you have done with Jesus Christ. And until we make that decision, not just to attend church, not just to come here at, and services or whatever the case, but when we make a conscious, intentional decision to live for Jesus Christ, it's something unique about that because that says that I am willing to give up the world. I am willing to give up everything that I am and follow Jesus Christ. He told his disciples uh, to follow him. And the Bible says that they left their profession. They left everything they had and they followed Jesus Christ. I think about the woman at the well. She was there with a water pot drawing water in John chapter 4. But when she had an experience with Jesus, the Bible says she left her water pot. She forgot what she was there for. She was naturally thirsty, but because her spirit thirst was quenched, she left there and started preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the kind of encounter I want with Jesus. And I want to see that happen with you as well. I think about what Jesus said, if we take up our cross and follow him. I think about that when I read this text, because the Bible talks about this man had a whole lot of things. I mean, it, it, it kind of gets you because obviously he was some sort of jeweler and he was seeking goodly pearls. That means that he already had a lot, but he was not satisfied with what he had. And there's something unique about the world. The world can never truly satisfy you. 
If it did satisfy you, if the alcohol satisfied, then we wouldn't have to keep going back and getting it. If the drugs really satisfied, then there wouldn't be a continual thing as it regards getting high. I used to do that stuff, getting high and getting drunk, and, and I was never satisfied. Had friends playing football. All of these things were going, but I was never satisfied until March 17, 2002. I walked down to an altar and said yes to Jesus Christ, and then I was satisfied. The thirst was quenched. The thing that I had been looking for, I could not find it in the world. The thing that I had been looking for to give me comfort, to give me peace, I couldn't find it in uh, the alcohol, in the drugs, with the ungodly relationship. Because listen, God's got something to say about everything that you do. We don't just... Get saved and didn't say, God, I got it from here. But Christianity is a walk of faith. It's a walk that says, I'm giving up my life, but I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. And where he leads me, I'm going to follow. If he tells me to leave this, I've got to leave, even if it doesn't look normal to the natural. I remember a few years ago when God told me to walk away from my job, I didn't want to leave. Because I left to go to nothing. I had no salary. I had no income. I had no meetings. God said, leave. I said, Lord, if you fill my schedule, I'll leave. He said, no, if you leave, then I'll do the work. I turned in a notice at work with nothing left. Literally. The day I walked out of the plant, literally an hour later, I started getting calls from preachers saying, let's start having meetings and revivals. And God has been faithful ever since. Not because I'm good, but because he's good. It's a lonely road sometimes. Because when you think about taking up a cross, the people who were in Jesus' day, they knew what he meant by bearing a cross. Bearing a cross was not something popular. It was something that people, I mean, in Rome, there were people being crucified all the time. And they were carrying crosses down a busy intersection. It was a lonely road. But it was a road they had to travel. It was a road that Jesus traveled for all of us. And it's a road that he's told us to travel if we're going to follow him. So the question tonight is, are we willing to give up something to follow Jesus Christ? Am I going to sit in my comfort zone? Am I going to sit with what I have? And I'm going to hold on to what I have. When God is telling you the whole time, telling me, I want you to give that up because I've got something greater for you. I, you know, I, I played, I, I, I'll never forget, I played football in college and I remember God uh, telling me to, to, to leave it. God knew what he was doing. I got hurt and had to have surgery. I was playing ball and had, had surgery in September. My brother Mario got saved, I think it was November. Pulled me out of college with an injury. And my brother got saved. I'll never forget, my mom called me and she said, you won't believe this. I said, what? She said, Mario's gotten saved. I said, it can't be. Not the Mario that I know. She said, are you ready for this, though? I said, what? She said, not only did he get saved, a few moments later, he got filled with the Holy Ghost, and he's speaking in tongues. I said, no, 
She said, but I got something else to tell you. I said, what could it be? She said, he's dancing all over the church right now. That was November. I was rehabbing, trying to get back to play football. March of the next year came. I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And the Lord began to deal with my heart. He said, I want you to give up football. I'm calling you to preach. I said, no, I can't do that. I fought with the Lord for a long time over that. Went through depression. Went through a spirit, I mean a spiritual declension and a fight. And the message that I preached last night, my former pastor preached that message. And when God, when I heard the message, I walked away from football. People called me crazy. They said, you got a lot of potential. But let me tell you something tonight. Seeing a soul saved, it's the best feeling in the world. No touchdown can do that. No quarterback sack can do it. Winning a football game doesn't bring that pleasure. Nothing brings the pleasure of seeing someone give their heart to Jesus Christ. And I know sometimes this journey may seem lonely. I'm not going to be before you long. I'll be a little personal and try to get through this tonight. It may seem lonely. I remember when I got saved, there were people in my life who they walked away. They didn't want to have anything to do with me because I wasn't fun anymore. I wasn't hanging out and going to the clubs anymore and drinking and doing all of this stuff anymore. And they said, man, come on, man, you're acting funny. But let me tell you something tonight. The greatest decision you can ever make in your life is saying yes to Jesus Christ. There are times where the enemy will make you feel lonely, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There are more with you than there are with him. I don't care if you have to eat alone in a cafeteria. You're still never in the minority when you're saved. You're always in the majority because you're on the side of the Lord. You're never alone. He said he was searching for something. Every one of us in here tonight have been searching. You have physically and naturally searched for things. Some people search for jobs and we search for this and we search for that. Have you ever noticed when you, uh, and most of us are guilty of it, when it's something you want to buy, what do we do? We get on the internet. Amazon. Well, we Google crazy when we want to buy something. Huh? And you young people, let me preach to you. Am I right about it? And when you broke, man, you got to come to us. And you, I'm sure y'all get those visits in the room. My kids come in there with a phone or an iPad and said, Daddy, look, it only costs $10. But I want you to think about it. You will spend all of that time searching for it. And once you find it, you buy it and you get excited about it. But what happens a few weeks later? Another advertisement. Something else comes out. You kids play this Fortnite game? It's about to drive me crazy. Oh, you too? Wow. I bought more pieces and, and capes and I don't know what all of that stuff is. 
But the point is, sometimes we can get something, and that's how they get us with allurements. Think about it, shoes, the latest style comes out, and then in another two months, the, the next one comes out. The new iPhone comes out, and what do they do a few months later? we got the color edition. Oh, i got to get that one too. Because seemingly we're never satisfied. Because these things bring about a temporal excitement. And that's what sin does. That's why the Bible talked about Moses not enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. Because Satan will only show you the temporal pleasure in sin. But he will never show you the long-term effects of it and consequences of it. Oh, it was temporarily pleasurable when David stepped out with Bathsheba. But God said the sword will never depart from your house. There was consequences to the sin. So as we play around with sin, we've got to make sure we understand and are careful to know that there are always consequences attached to it. God will forgive you, yes. But those consequences are there. And Satan keeps showing us the temporary pleasure. And, you, and, and, and think about compromise is kind of gradual. You would take a step and it was like, okay, that was close. And the next time you take another step and you just keep getting closer and we keep playing around with something until we get so close to the edge and then we start realizing flesh is real. And that you can't overcome, you can't just hit the brakes when you want to hit the brakes when you're talking about flesh. And Satan keeps showing these allurements and we keep getting involved and in doing things and going here and going there and never finding that pleasure. And all of a sudden the Bible says... This man found something that was worth more than he had. Jesus is worth more than you have. He's worth more than your friend. He's worth more than your boyfriend. He's worth more than your girlfriend. He's worth more than your husband, worth more than your wife, worth more than your children. I mean, Jesus was, he was stern when he said, he said, you can't love anybody more than me. And it's a blessing to know that he loved me not just in word, but his action showed his love for me. He's the pearl of great price. But what great price did he pay? And I want to talk about that for just a moment. Because when we talk about serving Jesus, it's not just a show. It's not just something that we say in passing. But he really did give up something to come to this earth. Think about it. He took on the form, the Bible says, of man. Incarnation. Isaiah prophesied God became man. If that's not powerful, I'm not talking about my preaching. I'm talking about what he did. A virgin shall be with son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God came down from heaven in the form of man. With one purpose in mind, and that was to go to the cross. Think about John 17, the Lord's Prayer. He talked about returning to his glory. He left his glory in heaven to come down to this earth who for the joy, 
the Bible says, that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, all because he loved me, all because he loved you. The time in which he was here, and I'm going to hurry and get through this, the, the time he, he caused so much friction. People were so angry with him. People hated him because his truth exposed their error. Oftentimes, think about it, as he walked, the Bible says thousands of people were following him. Crowds were following him. But when he was headed to the cross, they were gone. They mocked him. They laughed at him. That's why John chapter 8, they were saying, man, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not even 50 years old. You're talking about you know Abraham. Jesus gave them some insight into who he was. He said, before Abraham was, I am. I mean, think about that for just a moment. Every now and then, that's what I love about his earthly ministry. He would just give you a little glimpse into who he really was. Peter took out his sword and cut off the guard's ear. Jesus said, put that up. They don't know who I am. I could call legions of angels down here now and stop the whole show. But it's meant for me to go to the cross. He would have to let us know every now and then that he would, the Bible says in John 1, he was the word and he's the living word. He was manifest in the flesh, John, 1 John 3, that he might destroy the works of the devil. St. John 1.12, the Bible says he gave us power to become the sons of God because of who he is and because of what he did. He's the pearl of great price. I want to ask you, is he worth giving up the thing that you're holding on to? Is he worth giving up some of the stuff we're holding? The Bible says... Those three and a half years of ministry, of course, he lived to 33 and a half. And those last three and a half years, the animosity grew. They kept trying to find a way to kill him. In their mind, they were executing him. In his mind, he knew truth. He was laying down his life. Remember, I told you in his earthly ministry, every now and then, he had to remind them who he was. John 10, he reminded them again. He said, no man taketh my life. I lay my life down for my sheep. And if I lay it down, I've got the power to pick it up again. In essence, he was saying they could start beating me now and beat me for the next 2,000 years. They can pierce me through however many times they want. I cannot die because there's no sin in me. So I'm going to lay my life down willingly so that whosoever will can come. Think about it. He opened the door. He said, I am the door. And he opened it for all who were hungry, who were thirsty. The Bible says they hated him. They, 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 they wanted him dead. They, they had such, this was religion. See, religion can't even satisfy the soul. Just attending church is not going to do it. You're going to have to follow him. Make that decision as a young person to say, you know what? I choose Jesus. And don't let people make you think Christianity is not fun. We have some good times. We live on edge. What do you mean? By I saw them kayaking today. I couldn't do that. 
It was holy, though. They had a good time. The holy people were out there kayaking. See, people, the enemy tries to make you think you can't. Because when I grew up, we grew up in holiness. You couldn't do anything. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It was a sin to go to the movies. It was a sin to watch sports. It was a sin to wear short sleeve shirts. It was a sin to wear makeup. I mean, everything was a sin. My brother Mario told me, literally said, Mama, I just want to go to hell. He said, going to heaven, too much pressure. He literally said it. Monday night was church. Tuesday night, church. Wednesday night, we had church. Thursday night, prayer meeting. Friday night, service. Saturday night, Bible study. Sunday morning, service. And Sunday night, service. We about flipped out. They meant well because they wanted us to live for Jesus. So don't get this idea, it's not fun, I can't do anything. You can do anything you want to do, but just follow the leading of the Lord. You can live a life, have a life, enjoy life. But it's the enemy bringing this gloomy Christianity to our minds, this defeatist attitude. That's not what Christ, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. I'm more happy now than I've ever been in my life. Before I got saved, I was literally angry every day. I didn't even know why I was mad sometimes. Just angry and frustrated. But since I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, even on the hard days, even on the days that I'm hurting, that I've been insulted or I've stumbled and failed God, even in those days, the Lord's joy is still in our hearts because he doesn't leave you when you're hurting or downtrodden. They hated him. They wanted him dead. So they said it. They spied on him and they, they tried to trap him and... and, and Finally, it got to the time. He kept prophesying. He's saying, the time has come. He said, I've got to give myself over. The time has come. They took him to trial, and they were lying on him. They had this big thing going, this big lie. And they said, he said this, and he said that. And he was asked, he said, are you the son of God? You say it. I love that. When they came and arrested him, the Bible said, they were looking for him, he said, I'm he. Power of God was in him so strong when he spoke, the men who came to arrest him fell down. You talk about powerful. He's the pearl of great price. I could never be that pearl. Church can't be that pearl. He is that pearl. He took, them out, took him out and beat him and whipped him. And, I mean, ripping flesh from his body. They platted a crown of thorns and, and squished it on his head and caused severe swelling. Isaiah said in 52, 14, his visage was marred more than any other man. His mother was sitting there looking at him. He was unrecognizable. So much blood, such a gruesome scene. And they were laughing the whole time. They took rods and staffs and they were hitting him in the head. He's the pearl of great price. And the whole time he's got you on his mind. The whole time he's thinking about you. The whole time he's got you on his mind. The whole time he knew all of the sins that he was. Listen, he gave his life for all sin. I want you to think about this for a moment. Past, present, and future. I'll say what Brother Swagger says. You better hope I'm right about that. 
Because if he didn't atone for all sin, we would be in trouble. He paid it all. Every sin that had ever been committed, every one, that's why it was so gruesome because he had to lay his life down for the worst of sins. The most vile sins. That's why the church, we don't cringe when we see what the world is doing. The true church. Why shouldn't we cringe? No, we don't like the sin. It's vulgar and offensive to God, but we've got the truth. You've got the truth that can save that young lady who doesn't know what to do with her body. You've got the truth that can save her. You've got the truth for that young man who is confused about himself. You've got the truth that can deliver him and set him free. That pearl of great price. And if you have accepted him, he's changed your life. Why not tell somebody else about it? Old saints used to say when I was a little boy in, in, in the, the old Baptist church, not church, church. Some of y'all ain't never been to church. <laughs> they used to sing the song, they whipped him all night long. They beat him all night long. And I remember this mother, Mother Stewart in the church of God in Christ, she would sing this song. Uh, he never said a mumbling word. He never said a mumbling word for me. Y'all don't remember that old song. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. Any old school folk in here tonight? <laughs> One day when I was lost, he got up on the cross. I know it was the blood for me. They would sing those songs all night long. And, and see, back then, the saints didn't get all shook up about houses and cars and shoes and clothes. If you said something about the blood, folks start shouting. People started rejoicing because they knew I don't have much money. I don't have a lot of uh, creature comforts in life, but I've been redeemed. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. And they would say, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I've got the pearl of great price. And while the world is trying to attain everything. Have you noticed they can make a hundred million dollars off one thing and still greet it for more. But one experience with Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing? A person living under a bridge with no money no house can accept Jesus and have more joy than a person living in a mansion. That's the kind of God that we serve. He's that pearl of great price. They took him to trial and he was beaten, he was bloody and they made him bear his cross up to Golgotha. They nailed him to it and they hung him up, they stretched him. St. John 19 and 30, he uttered some words that changed the course of this world forever. I mean, think about that. It is finished. Everything, every debt. You talk about, you, 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 you go back to the Old Testament, there was a, a year of Jubilee. They were told to count seven Sabbaths of years and it would be 49 years and he said the year after that which would be the 50th year would be jubilee well in jubilee slaves went free 
in Jubilee, those who had lost their property, they got it all back. I hear people using that now and prophesying, this is your year of Jubilee. Let me tell you something. When you got saved, you entered Jubilee. You don't have to wait till 2021 to start experiencing that. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, I mean you're liberated. You're set free. The power of sin is broken. You have received the greatest pearl that any man could have. This pearl is worth giving everything up. They took him down. They sung the song. That's not how. The story ends. Three days later, he rose again. They buried him in a tomb. Ah, boy, I wish I was there. They walked out there looking for Jesus, and the angel sitting out there on top of the tomb. Why seek ye the living amongst the dead? He is not here, but he's alive. And let me say this as I close. He's seated by the right hand of the Father. Which means the work is done. Everything you need, Jesus paid for it on the cross. He paid for it. So what do I do? And I'm closing. Singers, musicians, you can come. What do I do? This is what you do. You say yes to him. You be willing. Don't let your yes just be a word. But let your yes be your action. That I'm making a decision tonight. I've drawn the line. I'm tired of what I've done. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of not knowing my true identity. But I'm ready to follow Jesus Christ and experience the joy that only he can give. There's no greater joy than knowing who Jesus Christ is and receiving him as your savior. I was sitting in family worship center. I'll never forget it. And I remember sharing a story of that young man. And you, many of you have heard it, but I thought about it just a moment ago. He was tired of living. He had lived a life of depression. He just said, I'm done. There's no need of me trying to live life. His name was William Cowper. Some of you have heard that name. He thought to jump off of a bridge and kill himself. But he couldn't find the strength to do it. He took a revolver, a gun, and he put it to his head and he was going to kill himself, but he couldn't find the strength to do it. And he was going to drink poison, but he couldn't find the strength to do that either. And the way the story goes, sometime after that, he met a man named Jesus Christ. He met that pearl of great price and he accepted him and instead of him killing himself he picked up his pen and he began to write these words there is a fountain filled with blood 
drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunge beneath the flow and lose all their guilty stain. And I want to tell you tonight, whoever you are, you may be dealing with depression, you may be dealing with hurt, pain, frustration, anger, whatever it is, it's worth giving up for Jesus Christ. Would you stand to your feet all over the house of God? And I just want you to bow your heads. And I want to simply make an appeal before we go any further to every person in here, whether you're young or old, just close your eyes and bow your heads. You're here tonight. And maybe you're not saved or maybe you've strayed away from the Lord. And you've gone out into the world and you're trying your best to cope with life and you've tried different things and you know those things are sinful and they're not right but you've tried to mask it you've tried to cover up the hurt cover up the pain you've you've hid it in front of your parents you've hid the heartache you've hid the anger and the depression and frustration but today is the day of salvation you don't have to leave here the way you came you don't have to leave here angry depressed heartbroken you can leave free tonight if you will just say yes to that pearl of great price, Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight and the Lord is dealing with your heart and you need to get some things right with the Lord, I'm not here to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. But if it's you, if the Lord is dealing with you, just raise your hand and I want to pray with you. I see your hand. I, I, if any young people that just want to get some things right with the Lord tonight, Tonight is your night to give some things up. They're going to sing. And as they sing whatever the Lord has given them, I want all of you who have raised your hands and others, I want you to begin to come down to this altar tonight and begin to confess those things and give them to the Lord tonight. And you'll leave free if you will believe in Jesus Christ. Come on around this altar tonight if you need prayer, if you need salvation, if you need a touch from the Lord. Tonight is your night. Tonight is your night, young or old. I don't care if you're 5, 10, 20, 30, 60 years old. Whoever you are, if the Lord is dealing with you, come on tonight and just begin to say yes to Jesus Christ and tell him whatever the need is tonight. Just begin to cry out. If it's sin, begin to say, Lord, I'm sorry for the things that I've done, for trusting in anything else. I repent of my sins tonight. I confess. Just begin to tell the Lord. He knows the heart. Give myself away so you can use me. myself away.
cry out to him
to live like hell to experience life and I want to do I want to be obedient to what I feel the Lord is telling me to do and I, I want all you to consider yourself a young person I just want you to come down I ain't going to embarrass you but I want this church to pray for you guys because you're not the church of tomorrow you're the church of today and you don't have to go through those things but I want you, if you will, just start making your way down because we're not going to do anything crazy. We're just going to pray for you. Because I can tell you, you don't need a testimony like mine. My brother would tell you, you don't need a testimony like his. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. And instead of adults always wondering what the kids are doing, how about us show them? How about us live as an example in front of them? But I want you to, if you guys will, if you feel comfortable just coming around and, and praying for these, that one, God will continue to use them, lead them, and guide them, protect them, to be a voice, to speak the truth, to love like Christ. And don't be ashamed of the gospel. But if you will, just join us in praying. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, every young person, every person in this place that's seeking you, Lord. Lord, that you show yourself to them in a way they have never known or experienced. Lord, all the guilt, the shame, the sorrow would be gone. Father, that you continue to move in their lives and have your way.
We thank you, Lord, for the freedom that's been experienced in this place, the freedom that will be walked in, the victory that will be walked in, Lord. We thank you for the relationships that have been restored. God, we thank you for the protection in their lives, God. And we praise you for what you have and will do. We give you the honor, the glory, and praise. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. We invite any who want to stay to stay and, and make your way to the back for uh, whatever they got back there, ice cream and something. But uh, enjoy yourselves. Tomorrow, I know most of you have a church. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to come be with us at 1030 in the morning. We have service, but we love you guys. Be safe, and we will see you soon.